Hello everyone and welcome to this week's views from the 573 podcast. Hope you all are doing well on this Thursday afternoon. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Good Black Friday. I know I did. Going to see my Grizzlies play on uh, on Friday night. It was a blast. Such a fun time. A great way to end Black Friday, but hope you all had a great holiday weekend uh, with whatever you were doing, whether you were celebrating with family on Thursday and watching all the football that we're about to discuss, or whether you were out on Black Friday getting your Christmas shopping done. I hope you all were had a safe holiday weekend. Hope you all got what you want on Black Friday. So welcome to this week's show. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff going on in college football. As always, the regular season is done. We just got the penultimate playoff rankings on Tuesday night. So we're going to talk about them. And we're going to talk about conference championship weekend. It is here, and we got a lot of big games to discuss. May not be important as far as the playoff implications, but still, there's a trophy to be played for. That that's got to count for something. So we're going to talk about that. Plus, my oh my, the coaching carousel. It's turning around. Got a lot of coaches that have taken up some jobs here, and we're going to talk about them some uh, names that have been talked about for some of these jobs and they have been filled up so we're going to talk about them and of course nfl we're going to talk about what's been going on in the league as we're well over halfway through the season we got playoff implications being talked about as far as seedings so we're going to talk what's going on in the week of the nfl and what's going on uh here as we uh had Head down the road of getting closer to the end of the NFL regular season and get closer to the playoffs. So that's going to be our show today. We're going to talk a lot about that stuff. Uh, First off, shouldn't make a note, World Cup is going on. I know we haven't talked about it. It's slipped my mind a couple times, but we need to make note. USA is heading to the knockout stage. So congratulations to them. They've worked hard for it. They're one of the they're probably the youngest team in the World Cup right now uh, with their team. So they're moving on to the knockout stage. There's knock uh, there's games determining who's gonna go to the knockout stage going on right now. And so those knockout games will be held later on this weekend as the USA try to continue their journey on. We'll see if Christian Polisic is gonna be able to go. He uh he really did give give it all up on uh on that in that game against Iran. So we'll see if he's going to be good to go for Saturday. I believe that's going to be Saturday morning, where the United States will take on the Netherlands. So we'll see if United States is ready for this next challenge. But that's going to be a big day. We got World Cup going on. We got Conference Championship weekend going on. It's going to be a full action-packed day build a football and football so so there you go but uh congratulations to them for getting here thus far again the youngest team in this world cup and uh, they're moving on and we'll see how they do against the, the netherlands hopefully they're able to pull it off and uh, we'll see who they play next so moving on from the world cup let's talk college football and let's get into what happened this past weekend in the final week 
of the college football season. It's been a long road. Can't believe we finally got to this point. It usually creeps up on us every year where the end of the season is upon us just like that. So here we are with week number 13 of the season. So let's start off talking about the Thursday night game on Thanksgiving, the Egg Bowl. Of course, there is no love lost between these two programs. With Mississippi State winning on Thursday night, but you do have to wonder if Ole Miss, and if by Ole Miss I mean Lane Kiffin, you know, they had to deal with all this talk about whether Lane Kiffin was going to Auburn pretty much the whole week. And Kiffin was shooting them down, and I'm sure Ole Miss players were probably not too happy of having to deal with that on rivalry week against their arch rival. So I they, I don't know what happened here. So Mississippi State goes on the road to Oxford, wins 24-22, to gets bragging rights for over a year, and Lane Kiffin is staying at Ole Miss. So all those preconceived notions that, oh, Kiffin's out, it's probably not going to be all into this game. Well, it kind of looked like that, and then he signed a huge extension. So that that's college football, everybody. <laughs> so Mississippi State wins 24-22 to and gets bragging rights in the Egg Bowl for at least the next year, as we'll see what happens when things change gears to Starkville next year. So that was our first game of the last week. Next one up, this one determined who was going to the American Athletic Conference title game. Tulane versus Cincinnati, both teams ranked, both teams at 9-2 and 6-1 and in the conference. Tulane goes on the road and knocks off the defending AAC champion and wins 27-24 and heads off to the title game. And will host this title game. So that's big time for Tulane. They win this one 27-24. Go 10-2, 7-1 conference. I don't know if we've ever seen Tulane be this good in so long. But Tulane, they're headed off to the AAC title game. And if they uh, if they win this one, could be looking at a New Year's Six Bowl game. So congrats to the Green Wave as they face UCF this week. So that should be a fun one for the AAC title. Uh, next one up, I don't think we picked this one, but Florida, Florida State, Florida State wins that one and closes their season off on a pretty good note. It, if you remember, it started off rough. But Florida State, they win against their arch rival in Florida, 45-38. to Florida tried to find their way back into this game late, but Florida State held them off, and Florida State is is going to go 9-3 and three this year with the possibility of a 10-win season. I think if you told Florida State fans after what happened in that first game, if that was a possibility, it's like, no way. Um, but here they are, sitting at 9-3 and three to close the season as they take out Florida. North Carolina, NC State, this was on Friday, and this one with a double overtime. So you all that got to see this one got to see a fun one with the Wolfpack winning 30-27. to 27. So they get some bragging rights for the whole, whole next year. As Carolina loses two of their last three, finishing 9-3, and three, with Drake May 
not his usual self, 29-49, 233 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, Finley, the quarterback for NC State, of course, Leary's been out for the whole season. He comes in, does pretty well. And the Wolfpack, they win this one, and they go to 8-4 and four on the year with uh, this being their fourth conference win. But what better way to get your fourth conference win than going over 500, or going to 500, than knocking off North Carolina, your arch rival. So the Wolfpack end up victorious on Friday night. Now, let's get into the action on Saturday. As we head to South Carolina and talk about the Gamecocks and the Tigers facing off. Of course, South Carolina coming off that huge win against Tennessee. They're coming in to face another Orange team in their rival in Clemson. And what does South Carolina do? You would think, maybe, that there would be a little bit of a hangover here. But South Carolina actually goes in and does amazing against Clemson, really dominating that second half. If you look at it, they dominated 17-7. to South Carolina, Beamer Bowl, they made plays on special teams, forced a couple turnovers there. That's, that's Beamer's bread and butter right there. That's what he's known for. That's what he's known for getting his team to do is to make plays like that on special teams. And that's what they did. Uy, Ungalale just did not look good at all running or passing. And South Carolina, they win this by one point, 31 to 30. That field goal in the fourth quarter, pushing them over the edge. Rattler, not as great as he was against Tennessee. But still solid numbers, 25 to 39, 308 yards, two touchdowns and two picks. Juice Wells for South Carolina has been balling out these last couple games with nine catches, 131 yards and two touchdowns in this one. So South Carolina, after we're thinking they're dead in the water after that Florida game, comes back and goes eight and four, wins these last two games, two games over top 10 teams and wins them both. So they got ranked this week, and they're probably headed to a pretty decent bowl game after they're showing these last couple weeks and build up some good momentum. But Clemson, that, that, that really diminished whatever small chances they had at finding themselves in the playoff. That really took it out. But South Carolina, they win that one. Auburn at Alabama, you figure at some point these game that game is going to be close, and it was close in some parts. Auburn putting up a decent fight, but I think we all knew Alabama was going to win in the end, and that's what they did, winning forty nine to twenty seven. It was a close one. First quarter is fourteen to seven, and then Alabama really took over. It was thirty five to fourteen at half, and that was probably all she wrote with. Auburn at 5-7, and seven. Uh, but you cannot disparage what Cadillac Williams has done uh, with that program. He's really got them to buy in in his short time as being the interim coach. But he, he's built a lot of positive momentum and a lot of goodwill over those last few weeks. And Alabama, they move on to 10-2 and two with a small chance, small chance. If there's a lot of chaos this weekend, they could try to find themselves into the playoff. But they are going to need a lot of help this weekend. So that is the Iron Bowl without Alabama winning that one. 
We'll save the big one for last because that's a there's a lot to talk about there. Notre Dame at USC, big one for both those programs. Caleb Williams, he is probably your Heisman winner. He's really seen a surge up those Heisman hierarchy things or whatever you want to call them. He's really seen his name rise up in those conversations. And that is probably what's going to push him over the edge in him getting the Heisman this year. Uh, he's just been on another level right now. Some of his plays have looked Mahomes-like, if you could say that, and maybe put a comp to what he's been able to do. But uh, he's been playing out of his mind right now. He didn't wasn't the leading passer in this game, but just made a ton of plays for USC. And the defense actually came in clutch for a couple a couple times here for USC. That's been the crutch for USC is that you know their defense has lacked, for a better word, uh, opportunities and getting the ball back, turning them over, not stopping the other team. And they did that this game. With USC winning 38-27, to they forced a couple turnovers there. And USC, they're going to the Pac-12 title game. And they got their Heisman candidate, probably Heisman winner, leading the way with him doing a Heisman pose in this game. So he's he probably knows, he's probably feeling that, you know, that award is probably his to lose. But uh, if he really does well this weekend, he's probably going to solidify it. So USC takes out the Fighting Irish. But you know what? Props to Notre Dame, too, for having a rough start to the season with their losses, losing to Marshall. I think Notre Dame would like to forget about that, but we all kind of remember that. But they finish off on a strong note, 8-4 in Marcus Freeman's first season. Uh, knocked off Clemson. Was in a tough game with USC. So props to them for getting to uh, getting to this point where they were ranked 15th last week after their rough start. So props to them. But USC wins that one. Next up, Oregon, Oregon State. Huge rivalry game here. And the Beavers are going to have the bragging rights for one year as they win a thrilling game, 38-34. to uh, Bo Nix has been playing outstanding this year, but just wasn't enough. To get Oregon to get Oregon State and beat them, uh, something got into Oregon State in this uh, in this fourth quarter. You think they're done? Well, they score twenty one points in the fourth quarter to push them over the edge. So you're thinking, okay, it's the fourth quarter. Let's see. At that point, Oregon is off thirty one to seventeen. And you're probably thinking, okay, well, Oregon State is probably they're they're out of reach for this one, so Oregon's probably going to win, and probably find themselves in the Pac-12 game title game. And here comes Oregon State, scoring 21 points in that fourth quarter to get them this win over their arch rival, 38 to 34. So congrats to the Beavers. You know, they've been a surprising program this year. As you know, you never would have thought you'd see them in the rankings. They were in the rankings earlier in the season. I think that was pre-playoff rankings or might have been a week or so there. 
But they've had a good year. Nine and three, six and three in the conference. Gave USC a tough matchup when they played them. So, you know, they've been hanging around and they get a big win here over Oregon, who was a top 10 team. So what better way to knock off your rival and get bragging rights for a year than to do it at your home field and do it while they are ranked in the top 10. So there's that game. Next up, LSU at Texas A&M. I'll be honest, I didn't know if A&M could pull this off. I mean, they're still not going to a bowl game. I think you probably, like, okay, we're going to write Texas A&M off. Uh, I will say this, the crowds that I've seen uh, at A&M in the last couple weeks, there's been a lot of people there. So it seems like, you know, the fans haven't been deterred by what's been going on. They're still going there and having a good time and filling up the stadium. But A&M pretty much took control of this game. Connor Wegman did a pretty good job of controlling the ball for Texas A&M. Devon A-Chain, 38, yeah, 38 carries, 215 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Jalen Daniels did not have a, a touchdown pass in this game or a rushing touchdown in this game. That was a really tough go of it for LSU with their star quarterback. And A&M wins 38-23 as they knock off LSU, who's ranked fifth, just heading into the SEC title game. LSU thinking, okay, let's get the 10 wins. Let's go to the SEC title game, and let's see what happens. Well, this probably takes up a lot of momentum off of LSU after, after this game. So it's tough stuff for them. But for but for AM, at least you got some momentum heading into next season to maybe try to figure out, okay, what can we do to capitalize off of this win and build off it in 2023? And see if Jimbo's gonna make the necessary changes to the offense. So we're like 38 points. I think that's the most AM has scored all season. So Hey, build off of that. Find a way where your teams can score 38 points in more than one game next year. But AM does get the win there, and they finish off their season on a decent note. Tennessee at Vanderbilt. I will not lie here. There was a little bit of dread, thinking Vanderbilt has a lot to play for. Tennessee, you don't know how much they, they want to play this game. It brings up bad memories from a few years ago where that same notion was brought up and it looked like they didn't want to play. Well, I think those concerns were deterred pretty easily really early on where Tennessee was outclassing Vanderbilt. Joe Milton, while not perfect and in not so good conditions, did have a couple nice moments, did overthrow a couple receivers, but it's against Vanderbilt. It's not going to kill you. But uh, Tennessee dominates Vanderbilt 56-0. to Tennessee finishes the season in most of the top offensive categories. So that's a good note. And I think I read they're the only team in college football to average over 300 yards passing and average over 200 yards rushing. Uh, just outstanding right there. And this game probably helped because you had three of your running backs score 50-yard-plus touchdowns. With Jabari Small doing it, Jalen Wright doing it for about 83 yards, 
Dylan Sampson, the freshman, running in for 80. In fact, right, five carries, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. That's a 32-yard average. So that was what probably helped them. But Tennessee gets their first 10-win season in, what was the year, 2003, 2007, something like that. So it has been a while, but they finished the season all strong. Now let's get to this big game, the game, Michigan and Ohio State. The first half, it was really fun. It was really close. But that second half, man, oh, man, did something change. Where Michigan just dominated Ohio State, they imposed their will on them in that second half. And if you look at the team Harbaugh has built there the last couple years, it really does resemble somewhat of an NFL team, particularly on defense. With him and his Ravens connections with John Harbaugh there and using those to try to bring some guys in from the Ravens staff and build a really good NFL-style defense, an NFL-style team. And that's what they've done. And, you know, it makes you wonder, why wouldn't Jim Harbaugh use those connections earlier on? But you know the saying, better late than never. And that's certainly been the case the last couple of years with Michigan. Better late than never with impl- implementing those systems into your program. Because you've dominated Ohio State two years in a row. Really a whole lot of the same thing. And they dominate Ohio State in the second half. 28 to 3. They they beat Ohio State up front on with their offensive line and with their defensive line. They just imposed their will. And with no Blake Corm, you have Donovan Edwards here, who's a little bit banged up. And you got a lot of young guys on this Michigan team contributing. Where Edwards, he busts open a couple, what, 60, 70 yard runs for touchdowns. So he goes for 22 carries, 216 yards, and two touchdowns. And really, probably the X factor, J.J. McCarthy. How was their young quarterback going to perform? And like, oh, he can't hit the deep ball. Well, he did hit the deep ball a couple times, and it killed Ohio State. He goes 12-24, so you know, take a look at that completion percentage, however you will. 263 and three touchdowns. And you can kind of say he outplayed C.J. Stroud. Even though CJ went 31 of 48, 349, and threw for two touchdowns, but he threw for two picks, particularly one crucial one in the end zone where you're wondering, what are you doing? Just just take the sack. Don't try to do anything crazy. Well, that is what happened. So Michigan, for the second straight year in a row, imposed their will on the Buckeyes and win the game and head into the Big Ten title game undefeated. And they won this one 45 to 23. Again, they dominated that second half. Really kind of showed them what Harbaugh's been doing the last couple of years has been the right thing. And building on those Ravens connections, building on implementing NFL concepts in your defense, in your offense. And that's what they've been doing. And it's worked out pretty well in knocking off the Buckeyes two years in a row. So I think if you're a Michigan fan, you're not 
you got to be happy about that, where you just completely kind of outclass Ohio State these last couple years. And you did it this year at their place, where they had not had this game at in a few years. In which I don't know if Ryan, uh, Ryan Day was the coach then. I think Urban Meyer was still the coach then, the last time they had this game at Columbus. So, yeah, Michigan wins second straight year and beats Ohio State in pretty good fashion. So that was week number 13. That was the final week of the regular season. And uh, not a good week as far as picks concerned, getting three right, but, you know, you, you take it however you can get it. So that was the final week of the regular season. Let's spend some time and let's talk about the college football playoff real quick here. And I guess we can use this as a good opportunity to talk about some news about the college football playoff and talk about the coaching carousel before we head on to this upcoming week. So the college football playoff rankings being released on Tuesday night, the penultimate rankings, you see the rankings as such. NC State at 25, Mississippi State 24, North Carolina 23, UCF at 22, Notre Dame falls all the way to 21, Texas at number 20, South Carolina is ranked at 19, you got Tulane at 18, UCLA 17, Oregon 16, Oregon State at 15. LSU falls nearly 10 spots and falls all the way to 14. Florida State 13, Washington 12. A lot of debate about with where Washington is ranked and why are they below Utah. Uh, Utah at 11, Kansas State at number 10. Clemson only falls a spot to number 9. Penn State at 8. Tennessee jumps up to number seven, Alabama at six, Ohio State falls to five, and then your top four this week, USC four, TCU three, Michigan two, Georgia one. So those are your rankings. I think, of course, we're all looking at that five, six range with Ohio State and Alabama and looking at what could potentially happen this weekend. Should those teams fall? Should USC fall? you got to think Ohio State and Alabama are benefactors of that. What if, you know, TCU somehow lost to Kansas State? What if Michigan actually loses to Purdue? Which we're going to get into, which Purdue has a knack for doing these types of things. But I think we're looking at that 5-6 spot and thinking though one of those teams could take real advantage of whoever loses, should that happen this weekend. And, of course, I'm going to talk about this. I mean, Alabama over Tennessee, it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but they are. I guess they are using that South Carolina loss against Tennessee, so there's that. Uh, me and Peter are getting all jumped up and excited with Tennessee and Penn State being ranked close to each other and hoping that they're going to play in a bowl game, which it, I don't think it's going to happen. It does look like if uh, Ohio State doesn't get in the playoff, they're probably not going to go to the Rose Bowl. That It's probably going to be Penn State. So that will probably dash the chances of Tennessee and Penn State playing. But, again, if they are playing, I've told them this, if they are playing each other, we're doing a live pod and doing it during the game. So if that's something you hope for, I guess cross your fingers. If not, still cross your fingers because it's going to be chaos and it's going to be 
so amazingly chaotic. But uh, those are your rankings this week. And, you know, speaking of the Rose Bowl, good segue here to this. With it look like the college football playoff expansion is happening in 2024. We had a lot of thoughts about whether this was going to happen as soon as 2024 or it was going to happen a little bit later on in 25 or 26. But it is indeed happening in 2024 with the Rose Bowl being really the only hurdle in the way of figuring out if it was going to happen. With the Rose Bowl, they reach an agreement that officially pays the way for the playoff to expand in the final two seasons of the current contract in 24 and 25. And so now with the Rose Bowl all in, we now have our shot at college football expansion. And of course, I get where the Rose Bowl is coming from with their bowl being a high prestigious bowl game with it going on at a certain time. I can see I, I can see why, but it's no longer going to be a concern with the playoff now fully expanding. And let's look into some specifics with this. I mean, if you look at some specifics with it for concerning this year, if you look at a proposed bracket of what this year will look like, well, you have a lot more to play for, I think, this weekend, as you would probably have a lot more teams on on the board as far as being concerned about what's going to happen this weekend, where if you look at the format, that's going to start 24. If this happened this year, you would have your six highest-ranked champs get automatic qualifiers. Then you would have your next six highest-ranked teams get at-large bids. So there would be a lot of teams that would still have a lot to play for besides these trophies and this confer- in the conference championship games. There's still a couple things to be concerned about this year's, but if you had this system in place now, there would be a lot more on the line for a lot more teams. Definitely make it a whole lot fun- more fun for the rest of us and watching what happens in this final week. So getting into some more specifics about this, you get buys to the top four conference champs. So let's just say, let's take the rankings for this year and look at the top four is currently constructed. So Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, they would all get a bye week. And you would have your first round matchups at the Better Seeds home stadium. So that'd be another home game for teams like if you look at the five, six, seven, eight matchups, if you look at those seeds, they would get another added home game, which means more revenue for them, which that would be big time for them and getting an extra home game that you were unsure if you were going to get. Would you like to be in the top four? Sure. But you get another extra home game, a playoff game at, in that in that matter, you get to play at your home stadium with a chance to move on to the next round, but that on the line. And so continuing looking at more specifics, the first round of the playoff of 24 will take place the week ending uh, Saturday, December 21st. So if you look at where 
the playoff over the conference championship is in this point in time it would be a couple weeks it would it would well let's take a look at 24 and see when that is so let's just say the conference championship is december 7th let's say it's that weekend so that means it would be around two weeks before you get these playoff games up and going with all with all the rest of the bowl games going on so it take place that weekend at either the home field of the higher seated team or at another site designated by the higher seated school and the specific game dates likely late in that week would be announced later and so for 24 and 25, the four quarterfinal games and two semifinal games will be played in bowls on a rotating basis. With 24, the quarterfinals taking place in the Fiesta, Peach, Rolls, and Sugar Bowl. While the Cotton Bowl and Orange Bowl will host the semifinals. And 25, it will be the Cotton Bowl, Orange Bowl, Rose Bowl, and Sugar Bowl, while the Fiesta Bowl and Peach Bowl will host the semifinals. With the National title games in 25 to conclude the 24 season being played in Atlanta and in 26 being played in Miami. So those are some of your specifics right there for the college football playoff expansion. Again, happening in 2024 of that season. So we still got another year of the current format in 23. But rest assured, I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are excited for this expansion happening. With all these specifics that have been laid out, there's a lot to be excited about. So those are the changes that are coming our way in a couple years. So again, one more year of the current format, and then we get this new format in 2024. So with that being said, let's move on before we get to the conference championships and talk about coaching changes. That's right. It's this time of season, everybody. The end of the year usually brings about coaching changes. Man, we've got a lot of them. And there's potentially one that, that is big, and we still don't know if it's going to happen or if he's going to stay. So that will be something to keep, an, keep our eye on. So let's talk about some of these changes. And let's start about one that just happened yesterday. Not as big, I don't think, in the as these other three, but still notable. Dilfer, Trent Dilfer, who's been coaching high school football in Nashville, is taking the UAB job. Now, from what I've heard about what he's been doing in Nashville, he's been doing a good job there, building up a good program there. And now he's going to take this next step. So maybe he's got a little bit of a Nashville pipeline that he can build between UAB and Nashville. So there's that hire. Uh, let's talk about the one that hasn't been made yet. And that is Dion Sanders, who has got a coaching offer from Colorado. And potentially Cincinnati and UCF are on the line as well. Now, out of those three, I don't know which one he would take. I'd probably just assume wait for a better job opening 
and staying at Jackson State one more year, coaching your son, and continue what he's got going on in Jackson State, continue that into next year, and look at the carousel next year and see which job is open next year because you never know which job is going to be open from year to year. So if I was Dion, I probably would stay at Jackson State. But there's potentially offers from Cincinnati, UCF, and Colorado on the line for him. So we'll have to see what happens with that one. Uh, Speaking of Cincinnati, Luke Fickle, who has seen his name up for a lot of jobs here in recent years, is going to Wisconsin. And it's not that Wisconsin is a bad job. It's actually a pretty good job, but it's not the job I think you expect Fickle to wait on. I don't think it is. Now, if you're into theorizing and all that stuff, you can be like, well, look at how Ryan Day has handled his stuff at Ohio State. He's lost to Michigan the way he has the last two years. A lot of Ohio State fans aren't happy about that. Could they want to change? Could Luke Fickle actually jump ship from Wisconsin to Ohio State if that happens? Which Fickle, if you remember, was an interim there at Ohio State when Trestle was booted out. So there's your your theorizing right there about that. But Fickle to Wisconsin, I think, actually is a good hire for Wisconsin. You've seen what he's been able to do at Cincinnati the last few seasons. And sometimes you need a new voice in there. And with what he's done at Cincinnati, I think you've got to feel good if you're a Wisconsin fan about bringing in a guy with a solid resume that he has at coming in there and building a really good, solid program. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of changes at Wisconsin. I think it's going to be a lot of the same of what you're seeing, the same system. We'll have to see if Jim Leonard is going to stay on. Uh, if he is, that's going to be big for Wisconsin. But if not, I mean, it's whatever. Fickle can go and hire his own staff. So I do like the hire for Wisconsin. Speaking of new coaches coming in and keeping on interim guys, Hugh Freeze to Auburn. Now, this one is a bit controversial because of Hugh Freeze's past and what he did to get booted at Ole Miss. So we are keeping that in mind here. As far as that's concerned, you do have to be a little bit worried about it. As far as the football side, I think you like what you see. You like what he's done at Liberty. And you bring him in. And you bring him into Auburn to bring him back into the SEC West and face all those programs every year and face Alabama at the end of the season, which... Freeze did give Saban, Saban some problems at Ole Miss. And if he has made changes to his life since those incidents at Ole Miss, perfect. But they still are going to follow him a, a lot here. But if he has changed, let's see how that goes. Uh, for Freeze, though, he is keeping Cadillac Williams on the staff, associate head coach. I mean, I don't know what else you could have done. You, you, you got to keep him on the staff. You see how much he did as an interim guy in those short few weeks. Just had a really good impact on that program. 
And so that's good on him that he's staying. That's good on Freeze and the Auburn staff that they're saying, hey, we want you back because of what you did these last few weeks and see how much of an impact you have on these kids. So that is huge for them. So Hugh Freeze finally is back in the SEC, and there's been a lot of wondering what job that was going to be, and it was the Auburn job. And now to the final coaching job we're going to talk about, Nebraska. We've been wondering about it. Who's going to take on that job after Scott Frost got booted? And it is Matt Rule. And I got to say, I love this hire for Nebraska for one reason in particular. Have you guys seen what he did at Temple and Baylor? I mean, listen, you, you take a look at what he did at Temple. It's like, well, listen, anybody that does good there is going to be revered. <laughs> I mean, they're not a football school. But you take a look at what he did at Baylor with the circumstances they were under and see how he coached that program up. I think you got to take a look at this if you're a Nebraska fan said, we just got the guy that's going to help rebuild this program. Maybe not to the standard that they were all those years ago, but to a standard that is far, far and away better than what they have been these last several years. I think Rule is definitely going to be the guy to get them there. I don't think you can discount at what he did those two programs. You know he is a good college coach. It didn't work out for him at the NFL level. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes the college coaches that make the move to the NFL aren't able to succeed there. You come back to college, and you're great at that job. And that's something I think Matt Rule, he fits under. I think he fits under that category where he might not fit in the NFL, but does a wonderful job at the college level and gets programs to play way above their station. And I think Nebraska made, out of all these hires, maybe made the best hire out of them because in the state they've been in, you get a guy that has done it at two programs. So, listen, if you've done it once, you might say it's a fluke. Twice, okay, there's a little bit of evidence there. If he does it a third time, it's like, well, this guy can freaking coach. And so I think Nebraska... Just hit a home run here in hiring Matt Rule to take on this job. So moving on from a little bit of college football news, let's talk about the playoffs, not the playoffs, conference championships here this weekend. And let's start off with the minor ones. Let's start off with some of the ones that, you know, are happening, but we are not really focusing on. So let's start off with the Conference USA Championship, North Texas against Texas San Antonio. The Roadrunners are 10-2 this year. They're they're 8-0 in their conference. North Texas is 6-2 in their conference at 7-5, but Texas Texas San Antonio is a favorite here. They're 10-2 for a reason and 8-0 in their conference for a reason. So I will take UTSA here. That game is going to be played tomorrow so keep an eye on that that and the pac 12 title i believe are going to be played on friday so a couple title games going on for your friday night so moving on the next one that we are going to discuss 
is, I believe this is, yeah. Let's get some action in here. We don't do a lot of Mac stuff here, but here we are. Toledo coming in at 7-5. Ohio coming in at 9-3, 7-1 in the conference. You think Ohio is slightly favored, but actually Toledo is slightly favored here. I am going to take Ohio, though. Listen, it, not a whole lot of expertise with these matchups. So I'm going to take the team that has probably the better record here. I am surprised Toledo is somewhat favored in here. So that might be something to keep an eye on. So that might be one. Might be getting wrong here. Uh, so I'll take the Bobcats of Ohio right here and, and them winning this final game of action for 2022. Next one up, I believe, is the Sun Belt. Yes, the Sun Belt. Coastal Carolina versus Troy. Coastal Carolina, 9-2. Of course, their matchup with Virginia was suspended, of course, for you know what happened at Virginia. So they're 9-2. That's why the record is what there is. Troy is coming in at 10-2. 7-1 in the conference. Troy is favored in this game. Uh, but if you do look at their, if you look at Coastal Carolina, they average a lot more on offense. But for Troy, their defense is holding teams to under 200 yards passing and to un under 120 yards rushing. So they're doing pretty decent. And Coastal Carolina is allowing a lot more with their defense. So, uh, honestly, this should be a fun one. Grayson McCall, really good quarterback for Coastal Carolina. 21 touchdowns and one interception on the year. Really good decision maker for them. And he's part of the reason why I would give Coastal Carolina a chance here for what he's done with them these last couple years. Uh, but I will take Troy to win this one. And I think this will be a close one. Uh, the spread right now is around eight, eight and a half. I think it's going to be around that, maybe even closer, maybe even a field goal type of game. So I will take the Troy Tro Trojans here to win the Sun Belt. All right, so the next one up should be the Mountain West. So let's go to the Mountain West and see what game we got here, and that is Fresno State. Taking on Boise, I think we talked about these two teams in our preview and said these two teams would be teams to watch out for and go and win this conference. Uh, Fresno State, 8-4, 7-1 in the conference. Boise State, 9-3, 8-0 in the conference. So uh, they've been really good. Uh, if you look at both these teams, uh, not hu huge scoring teams, both averaging around 30 points per game. Fresno State averaging well over 400 yards per game. Boise State slightly under that. And Fresno State is a good passing team, throwing for over 277 yards per game. Boise State giving up way less than that. So Boise State, you would think, has the slight edge in here, and they do. They are favored in this game. So I could see this one being a close one as well. Uh, Jake Hayner, Fresno State's quarterback, is a pretty good quarterback for them. But I think I'll take the Boise State Broncos. We know what Boise State can do. 
They've been a really solid program for a number of years. So I'll take the Broncos here to win. I mean, can't take the other Broncos to win in the NFL. I mean, if you do, you're just asking to take an L. But uh, I'll take these Broncos. And then I think the final one before we get into our big matchups is going to be, let's see, the AAC? I think so. So UCF and Tulane could potentially be a New Year's Six Bowl game on the line for these two programs. Could be really big for Tulane. Uh, getting 11 wins and going to a New Year's Six Bowl game. I mean, if you ask Tulane fans that, I think they would be like, yeah, let's we'll take that season. So what are you talking about? Uh, so right now, Tulane is favored to win in this game. And I'll have to check the schedule because I want to see if they played each other this year. And they did. It was at Tulane. And Tulane did lose 38-31 to UCF. Uh, John Reese Plumley in this game, uh, they gave Tulane their second loss. He had a big game, 18 carries, 176 yards, two touchdowns. Pretty good passing stats, 132 yards, a touchdown, 17 to 30. So you do know what you're getting into with this game. Tulane scored 14 points in that fourth quarter to try to come back. So Tulane is going to be looking for some good old-fashioned revenge here and taking down UCF. But you know what? I think I'm going to go with UCF. I think John Reese Plumley. you've seen what he can do at, at Ole Miss. And you, and you saw what he did against Tulane the first go-around. I know Tulane's probably going to try to game plan for him, but it's a whole other thing to try to try to stop him. You know, it's a whole other thing to know he's coming and he still can't stop him. So I think Plumlee's going to be big time here, and I will take the Golden Knights here to win the AAC. So now let's get into our big boy championships. And let's go to the ACC first. Probably not the most important out of the remaining games. With uh, Clemson not playing for playoff, North Carolina uh, losing two of their last three. So probably the only reason maybe to watch this game is watch Drake May play against this Clemson defense and see how he does. And if North Carolina does it, they would stand in Clemson's seventh ACC title in eight years. So there is that in mind. And right now, Clemson is favored to win this game. They're favored by around seven and a half, eight points, somewhere around there. North Carolina, their offense is really great. But Clemson does have a really solid defense. For the most part, they got a lot of guys up front that make a lot of big time plays. A couple guys that are going to be playing in the NFL by this time next year. So they've really got a strong defense. The thing for Clemson, though, is to see how they perform with DJ Ui Ungulale. A little bit better stats this year, but still not what you want to see out of former five star quarterback that had a lot of hype coming in. I will take Clemson in this one. 
I think they will do just enough scoring-wise to keep up with North Carolina. I think that defense will make some plays and get the get the Tigers in a position to go and win this game. So I will take Clemson here to win the ACC title, even though it might not mean as much this year. Again, they are playing for trophies. That does mean something. Kansas State at, at TCU versus TCU. Number 10 versus number 3 here. These two teams played each other earlier in the season. And let me go click on the matchup and let me go and click on their schedules and see when they did play each other. It was around the middle of the season. TCU winning that one 38-28 at home uh, with Will Howard playing in that game. No, Adrian Martinez, Deuce Vaughn not having a huge game, held under 100 yards rushing. But uh, TCU, with how they've played lately, they haven't looked as explosive offensively, but their defense has really stepped up here in key moments. Where, listen, you're just expecting at some point the TCU offense to come alive and make some plays. And there's a possibility, even if TCU does lose this game, that they'll probably be fine and still get into the playoff. I think you're, you're just... We'll, you'll just have to see if there's more chaos that will happen throughout the rest of the day. And uh, this will be one of the first ones of the day as far as championship games. Um, so in this matchup of purple teams for the Big 12 title, I will go with the team that has not, not lost this year, and I will go with TCU. So next one up, Purdue taking on Michigan. Purdue has a knack for this type of thing and upsetting top five teams when you least expect it. And could they catch Michigan on a hangover? Now, something to keep in mind for Purdue, uh, Aiden O'Connell lost his brother this week, or lost his brother recently, so you don't know if he's going to play in this one. If he doesn't, you completely understand why. Um, if he does... That could be big for Purdue. As far as their offense, they have a really good passing attack with Charlie Jones being their main guy out there at receiver. Um, but if he doesn't play, I don't think you, you can say anything about that. You know, it, Listen, with going through that, probably important to spend time with family, so you understand that. Um, either way, I think with what Michigan showed, Last week, if you saw a clip from one of their defensive stars on the back end, one 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 of their leaders said, you know, we understand the importance of this game, but we have to win this game to be able to go get that natty. And so that was the first step, and this one's the next step. And I think they succeed in this step, so I will take... Michigan here to win. Then let's take a look at LSU, Georgia. You know, LSU built up a lot of goodwill recently and maybe thinking maybe they could give Georgia a little bit of a battle. 
I do wonder if Georgia is going to remember that SEC title game last year and how they performed and are going to be coming in mad and upset about what happened last year not and making sure that doesn't happen this time. So I will take Georgia here to win this game. Georgia is favored by 17 and a half around that point margin. So I will take the Bulldogs here to win the SEC title, do what they couldn't do last year against Alabama, and go into the playoffs undefeated. And then our final game, USC versus Utah, a matchup of of two teams earlier this year that went right down to the wire with Utah winning by a point and giving USC their only loss of the season. So you know USC is going to be looking for some revenge in this one. And this one is going to be on Friday night. So this will be a fun one to keep an, keep an eye on. And right now USC is, slight, is slightly favored over Utah in this rematch. And I got to say, it's hard to pick against Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, and the Trojans right now. With what they got going on, I think they know what's in front of them. They know what happened in the last matchup. They know it was only by a two-point conversion that Utah won. So I think they will go and get their revenge and take out USC. So give me the Trojans here to win in the conference championship and get to the playoff. So... That is college football, everybody. Really college football-centric hour here that we've been going. So let's not waste any time, and let's talk about what went on in the NFL last week, and let's talk about what happened on Turkey Day as we had three games on Thanksgiving, and uh, all of them were really fun games, all of them really close. Uh, Usually you have one that's a little bit of a stinker, that's kind of a blowout. Uh, no, all these games were pretty close and really fun. Uh, starting with the first one, Buffalo at Detroit. You know, Detroit, you got to give your props to Detroit. I mean, they can't came in there, probably nobody gave them a chance, and they played awesome. It's just that Buffalo you know, made some plays there at the end, got in position to win the game. To win 28-25. But you got to give props to this Lions team. They play hard. That's Dan Campbell's M.O. right there. Uh, Amon Ross 8 Brown. 9 catches, 122 yards and a touchdown. Jared Goff didn't have a turnover in this game. Was pretty efficient for the most part. 23-37, 240 and 2 touchdowns. Uh, probably a little bit more efficient than Josh Allen. Who had 78 yards rushing. 253 yards passing and three touchdowns, three total touchdowns for him. As uh, Buffalo wins for the second time in five days at Detroit, 28 to 25. So that was our first game. Next one up, we had Dallas taking on Detroit. Dallas taking on the Giants, rather, at Jerry World. And you know, The Giants came to play in that first half, but the Cowboys, I think, realized, listen, we know the Giants have been a decent team this year. 
but it's still Daniel Jones. It's still the Giants. And, you know, Dak didn't have his best performance early on, but uh, he did pretty well. C.D. Lamb did really well. Six catches, 106 yards. And Dallas, their defense made a couple big-time plays and really sealed the victory, 28-20. to So Dallas wins on Thanksgiving Day after having a really good second half, outscoring the Giants 21-7. to And then our final Thanksgiving game, Patriots at Vikings. And, you know, Patriots had a shot there to win it at the end, but, you know, just a lot of things went wrong for them. And you could see Mac Jones was visibly upset. And uh, Mac had a decent day, 28-39, 382 yards and two touchdowns. But uh, it was not enough. Kirk was playing really well, 30-37, 299, three touchdowns. Justin Jefferson, I mean, what else can you say about the dude? Nine catches, 139 yards, a touchdown. And so the Vikings, after having that loss against the Cowboys the week before, get the rebound win they needed over the Patriots here. They get the 9-2. Patriots fall to 6-5. So we had a really good slate of games on Thanksgiving. Again, that's really kind of rare. You usually expect one that's not so close and you kind of tune out of. But all these games were wildly entertaining. And so... Moving on to what happened in the rest of the week. Bengals at Tynes. I was going to be a straight shooter here, guys. Tynes did not play physical at all. Uh, really kind of out of character. Bengals were the most fit, were the more physical team out of the two. And when no Joe Mixon, no Jamar Chase, Bengals made plays when they needed to. And T. Higgins has really stepped up. As the wide receiver won here, Burrow looked for him late. They did well. And Bengals, for the most part, protected Burrow pretty well in this game, too. Uh, Tynes could not get anything going with Derrick Henry. So you got to give props to the Bengals defense for having a game plan to stopping Henry. But, uh, again, Tynes did not play physical at all in this game. The one bright spot, I think, Traylon Burks. It looks like he is finding his way in the NFL and, you know, I'm going to bring this up knowing that it's going to be Tynes and Eagles this week. But if you look at this point in the rookie years, A.J. Brown and Burks had near similar stats. So that is something to keep note of here at this point in the season. But uh, there's that game. Next game up, we got Buccaneers, Browns, Buccaneers, blow a huge lead late, blow a late game lead and have this game go to overtime. Browns come back and win this 23-7 to and Jacoby Brissett's final start before Deshaun Watson takes the reins. And so now Tampa, who is building some good momentum off their last two games, they fall to 5-6 and six in this one. Cleveland goes to 4-7. and seven. Next one up. We got the Ravens and Jaguars. And give your props to the Jaguars. They came to play on Sunday. And they got Lamar really frustrated. Jacksonville winning 28-27. Going for two late. If you notice, the two teams that went for two 
laying those games, won their games. There are two teams that went for it, the Jaguars and the Chargers did. We're going to get to them after this one. But the Jaguars did it first, and it got them the victory, 28-27. They lost Travis Etienne in this game, so you were without him. But Trevor Lawrence was spectacular on that final drive. And really this whole game, 29 of 37, 321 yards, and a touch and three touchdowns. Zay Jones, 11 catches, 145 yards. He was a standout. And the Ravens did have a chance on Justin Tucker's 67-yard field goal. And listen, you don't want if you're any kicker, you, you do not want to bet against Justin Tucker. You do not want to bet against him. And he didn't miss this one. It was it was a little bit short. Gave the Jaguars the win there. But listen, if you if you see Justin Tucker going out there, you're automatically thinking, no matter how long, like, well, he has a really good shot at making it. Uh, but just came up a little bit short. And so, you know, props to the Jaguars. Uh, huge victory for them over the Ravens team that still struggles to kind of finish games here this year. And get and Jaguars get the win. So the other team that got the two-point conversion to win the game, Chargers at Cardinals. Chargers, they win this one 25-24. Slightly different score. As the Chargers, they rally late to get this victory over Arizona and get to 6-5. Herbert with three touchdowns on the day. Eckler, not a good day rushing-wise. Um, Kyler Murray threw for over for under 200 yards passing, two touchdowns and a pick. But the Chargers they get the win here, 25 to 24. Again, the two teams that were aggressive there to try to go get wins succeeded and got what they wanted. They got the wins. So Chargers take down the Cardinals. Next one up, Rams at Chiefs. Again, the Rams are looking like a shell of themselves with everything going on there, with their injuries. And Chiefs took care of business, 26-10. to 10. Mahomes, 320 yards, only threw one touchdown and threw a pick. But with the Rams performing the way they have and what's been going on there, um, pretty easy win even though they didn't play at their absolute peak. But, listen, in in the NFL, you take any, any wins how you can get them, and that's what they did. They went 26-10, and they're still number one in the AFC. And then, next one up on Sunday night, Eagles taking on the Packers. That one was... Really close for the most part. Didn't tune into a whole lot of it. I saw Aaron Rodgers got a little bit banged up, and there's a lot of questions about whether he's going to play this week or maybe could he potentially set out the rest of the year and let Jordan Love take the snaps. It is extremely possible. Uh, Packers, they lose 40-33. to Jalen Hurts, 153 yards. Passing two touchdowns, 157 yards rushing. Absolutely good game from him. Uh, Jordan Love 
when he did come in, he looked pretty good. He made some pretty good throws. Really different from what we saw from him last year in his, in his limited playing time. But he looked somewhat pretty good in, uh, in, in his snaps that he got to play in this one. With them getting a touchdown, them getting a field goal to try to get this game for them and try to send it to overtime, but just come up short. So, you know, not a couple bad moments from Jordan Love. So, if that is indeed something to watch out for with Rodgers maybe not playing the rest of the season, then maybe there's a little bit something to build on here with Jordan Love and see if there's indeed been any change from last year to this year. And then finally, the Monday night game, Colts at Steelers. Steelers go on the road and get their fourth win of the season. Najee Harris gets banged up in this game. Steelers hold Jonathan Taylor to under 100 yards. Kenny Pickett, solid day for him. Then turn over the ball. Didn't have a touchdown pass, but then turn over the ball. So you'll take that. Steelers defense made some crucial plays. And Steelers get the win 24 to 17, getting to 4 and 7. Colts falling to 4 7 and 1 right here. So that was your Monday night game. And that was week number 12. So. With that out of the way, let's move on to week number 13. Let's talk about tonight's game, Buffalo at New England, AFC East matchup between these two teams. You got to wonder how this is going to go. In-division games are always kind of tricky unless there's a wide margin between the two. And you would think so with the Bills and Patriots, but the Bills have skidded some here recently, and they almost skidded against Detroit last week. And they are a small favorite on the road, but I think this is going to be a lot closer game. It's going to be right around that touchdown three points. At at the most, it, it would be 10. But I think we can expect a pretty competitive game tonight. I will take Buffalo and pick the favorite here. Well, being an AFC East matchup, I think this is going to be a lot closer than we think, but I'll take the Bills. Speaking of an AFC East team, Jets, they're heading to Minnesota this week to face the Vikings. One thing we didn't talk about in Week 12, the Jets taking down the Bears, but Mike White doing what he did last week really awesome performance from him and you're hoping if you're the jets you can build off of that and from what's been said from the jets players on offense at wide receiver garrett wilson elijah moore who had big time games that you like playing with mike white a little bit more and maybe they can carry that into this game although it is going to be tough uh, going to Minnesota, but I think the Jets' defense will try to it will keep them in this game somewhat. But I do think the Vikings, in the end, 
do win this one. But, I mean, this could be a surprise one. You know, Jets could indeed come into Minnesota and take out the Vikings, but I'll play it safe, and I'll go with the Vikings. Next one up, NFC East matchup. Commanders at Giants. Giants looking to bounce back after losing on Thanksgiving to the Cowboys. And the Commanders are a slight favorite in this game. One thing to keep note of, Chase Young, is he going to be getting to play this week? If so, that could be a huge boost to this Washington defense. If not, then you still feel pretty good about it because Taylor Heineke keeps on winning you ball games. Uh, somehow, some way, he just keeps on doing it. And so that's why probably the commanders are favored here in this game. Uh, I will go with the Giants, however. I think the Giants do bounce back in this one and win. I could see this being another close one, again, in division game. And I'll take the Giants here. Tynes at Eagles. Talked about this earlier. Kind of a, I don't know if you can call it a revenge game, but either way, uh, A.J. Brown facing his old team. Uh, after the way things ended there. Uh, we'll see how this game goes. Philly's only favored by four and a half, so not too much. Uh, I will go with Philly here. And the one thing for the Titans to get back on track is they got to get back to their physical brand of football on both sides. On defense, they got to get more physical. Offense, they got to get more physical. And muddy things up for this Eagles offense and really kind of test the interior of the Eagles defense again they haven't been solid here in defending the run recently been having struggles keeping guys healthy on the interior of that defensive line so we'll have to see but I will go with the Eagles here to win this game all right next one up Broncos at Ravens you guys heard me when talking about Boise State, about not picking these Broncos, right? Good. Okay, Ravens here. Easy pick here. I'm not picking these Broncos, so I'll take the Ravens to bounce back here. Dolphins at 49ers. This one should be a fun one. 49ers, though, a little bit banged up. They just lost Elijah Mitchell again, which that kind of hurts for them. CMC is a little bit banged up here. Uh, Debo is questionable. So right now, I mean, all hands on deck for the 49ers. Um, this one will be a fun one on Fox. Um, I will take Miami. I'll take Miami. There's just a lot of question marks around those guys and if they're going to play. And we just don't know. Now, if they do play, that could change things, but... I'll take the road team here. They're favored, and I'll take the Dolphins. Chiefs at Bengals. Rematch of the AFC title game last year, this time at Cincinnati. And they played each other last year in the regular season, I believe, at Cincinnati too. And that was a fun one too, and I believe Cincinnati won that one. So... 
maybe that same thing can happen this year with Cincinnati and Kansas City. Um, Chiefs are only a small favorite at home or on the road. Uh, for the Bengals, though, you could get potentially your two playmakers back and Mixon and Chase. It kind of does sound like that Chase is going to be back for this one, so that's going to be huge for the Bengals. And you know what? After watching the Bengals play last week, showing that, hey, there's they can play physical football too. Rebecca, I'm sorry about this. Oh, actually, hold on. I'm having PTSD about <laughs> about something she mentioned in the group chat. You know what? I'll take the Chiefs. I'll take the Chiefs and be safe, okay? I'll, I'll take the Chiefs, okay? I think this one will be close. I think this one will be close down to the wire. I'm just playing it safe for my sake in the group chat because I know I'm going to hear about it. Uh, Chargers at Raiders. Uh, Raiders uh, getting a win here recently. Taking on fellow AFC West opponent in the Chargers. And this one could be a really close one. And there's actually not a favorite for this one. Seems pretty even. So this one could be a close one as well. I think I'll take the Chargers, but I'm not 1,000% sure about it. So it might be a game of my pick'em league where it's not huge on confidence. I'll take the Chargers. Uh, Colts at Cowboys. That's our Sunday night game. Uh, this could be a huge one for the Colts and Jeff Saturday if they found a way to upset the Cowboys at home. That'd be a that'd be a shocker to us all to us all and uh, be a really big win for them and kind of boost them up. I don't think it's going to happen. Cowboys are a huge favorite in this one, around 10 and a half. And so I think Cowboys, they're, they're not going to fool around. And they shouldn't, because if they do, they'll, they'll probably be a little bit closer game than they want. But I'll take the Cowboys. And then finally, the Monday night game, Saints against the Buccaneers. Buccaneers looking to get back on track. Um... Again, in-division game, anything can happen. Saints could probably shock us all pretty much. I'll go with the Bucks here, but I think this could be another close one with the Saints being more competitive than we think. Um, so I'll take the Bucks here to win this one. And that is our Week 13 picks in the books. And that is this week's pod in the book. So thank you all for tuning in. As always, be sure to go check us out where you guys get your podcasts, whether it's on Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, where where you guys get your podcasts, check us out there. Subscribe, give us a rating, and check out the entertainment channel as well. Was going to do an entertainment pod last week, but kind of didn't feel the gravity of the whole scheduling thing with, uh, with it being the holiday weekend. So probably played a little bit too much around with that but i will try to do something here probably not this week a little bit busy this week but uh maybe a little bit something something next week and talking about what's been going on at disney and we might have some new updates it sounds like the dcu we might know what's going on what's going to happen with gun and saffron taking leadership 
it seems like we might have some plans being announced here pretty soon so might be something to look towards so uh with that being said everybody hopefully you guys have a good rest of your thursday hopefully you, ha you guys have a good weekend with the world cup and with college football in the nfl and until next week talk to you all then